0: So I want to finish, We're going to finish our series of fresh start today. And, uh, and like I say, one of the lads next week will be preaching and the week after that we're going to start a series called the 40 Acts because Lent starts the week after that. But I kind of want to look back over what we've talked about since Christmas. But today I want to focus on one thing that I think is really important for us as people to grasp a hold of. And that is the value of that is within you and the value of you to the kingdom of God and how valuable God thinks you are. And there's a story, there's a guy called, um, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, Soren Kierkegaard, I think. He's a Danish philosopher and he's told this story about um, a jewelry store in a large city where thieves broke into. And they didn't actually rob anything. But they got all the price tags on everything and they switched them. So they took all the expensive jewellery and the cheap jewellery and they switched the price tags. And they did a really good job on it, that the staff, even the next morning, didn't cop on. So when the staff came in, they just opened the shop up and started selling the stuff. Um, I was thinking, they must have been fairly dopey staff. I think I'd have remembered what was the expensive stuff, but anyway. But they sold according to what was on the label. So some people got really nice jewellery for junk prices. And some people got really junky jewellery for big prices. Um, And it was all done based on the value that the label said, not on the actual value of the jewellery. Does that make sense? And his point seemed really obvious um, to me and to a lot of other people who have read it over the years that the jewellery wasn't being sold according to its true value, but according to the ticket on it and according to the label on it. And he was kind of saying, hasn't that kind of happened in our world? That we, we, we value or judge things based on the labels rather than on... The true intrinsic value of things. and Because a lot of time I think as people, as human beings, we judge other human beings by the label they're wearing. Whether it's a clothes label, maybe it's the Nike runners or the Abercrombie tracksuits or the Jimmy Choo shoes or the guest bag or the penny stuff or the whatever it may be or the car they drive. Maybe it's because they have a 1999 banger or they're driving a 2015 Merc. We tend to to look at them different or treat them different or because they live in Castle Knock or they live in the flats or they have an iPhone 7 or a 10-year-old Nokia brick or they're real posh like me or they speak with a common (laughs) accent. Yeah. I don't know why you're laughing at that, but anyway, okay. (laughs) Labels. That wasn't me. Was that me? I don't know why that was. Labels affect so much of how we perceive things. Prices can affect how we perceive things as well. Depending on what a price of thing is, we, we we add value to it. We we had a friend many years ago, we knew this girl, Jeanette was her name, and she ran a gym and a little shop out in Malahoide. And She had a kind of a, um, the shop and coffee shop was part of the gym. But anyway, she came across this box of watches. I think it was legit. She got them for about two pound each or something at the time, right? And she thought, i will flog them, make a few bobs. So she put them on sale in the shop for a fiver. If she'd have sold them for a fiver, that was a good profit. She'd have been happy out. She never sold a single watch. She had them out on the shelves for about a month. No one bought a watch off her, okay? So she thought, that's not working. Took them away, put them in a box, stuck them in a shed somewhere and left them and forgot about them for a month or two. And came across them again, and she thought, "I know what I'm going to do." So she put them back out on the shelves, and she charged fifty pound each for them this time. They were gone in two weeks. The exact same watches, gone in two weeks. Now that's mad, isn't it? Anne used to work in a flower shop in Sandymount. Um, Sandy Mount. That must be me, sorry. Anne used to work in a flower shop called Flowers to Go in Sandy Mount. Found in Bath Avenue, a little tiny shop. And in the back of it, the guy she worked for was a wholesaler. So he used to bring in all the flowers and he'd send them out to all the different shops around. So he brought in one Christmas, he brought in these, and they were really cute little berry wreaths in a little wooden crate. He was buying them in for three fifty each. Okay, he was selling them to the other shops for seven fifty eight euro, and he was selling them. Anne was selling them in their shop. She was putting a little candle from pennies or somewhere in the middle of it and fancying them up a bit and selling them for fifteen quid. And they were going really well, okay? But she had a friend, Sue was her name, who worked for the Kenneth Turner flower shop in Brown Thomas. All right, Kenneth Turner's a fairly famous English florist. He does all the royal weddings and all that. And Brown Thomas, as we all know, is the cheapest shop in Dublin, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, she was walking in there. So she bought a bunch of these wreaths off Anne as well. And she put a Kenneth Turner candle inside of them and fancied them up. And can I just say, they didn't look any better than Anne's ones. And she was selling them for 75 euro each and they couldn't keep them in the shop, right? The exact same thing, 350 to 75 euro. That's some difference, isn't it? Something with so... What you say? I missed that. exactly. Something with so little value increased so much because it came, became associated with a famous name and a famous brand. Yeah, How many people do you see nowadays going around, because you can get this stuff now, you can get this stuff that makes the inside of your shoe red, to make them look like Jimmy Choo shoes, but they're not. But the red thing is to make them, because it's the label stuff. So now the label on these flowers said Kenneth Turners and Brown Thomas rather than Flowers to Go and Sandy Moon. And it was a massive difference. Names, labels, brands, prices. We're influenced by them all. And we can sit there and go, I'm not influenced by them, but I bet you yeah. And here's the bottom line. It's our perception of value. It's what we see as value. What we value and how we value it so often depends on the price and on the label. Is that fair enough to say? And here's the thing I think is much more important that it's not even about how we value things, but we often end up valuing people the same way. So I'm not going to talk loads about how we value other people. I let let God deal with us about that one. I'll just say this about how we value others. Jesus said that we we should treat other people as we are treated or we would like to be treated. He also said we should forgive as we've been forgiven. He also said we should live in peace as much as it's possible and depends on us. And I think all of that happening depends on how we see ourselves and how we value ourselves. Because if I have to treat other people as I'd like to be treated, then I have to figure out what value I am and how I'd like to be treated. Because if I think I'm useless and I let people treat me like crap, then guess what? I'm going to treat other people like crap. If I think it's okay for other people to be rude to me, then i will be rude to other people. Because I see other people through my worldview. And that's affected by how I'm valued. It's an interesting and challenging question to ask myself, and you to ask yourself, I think, is how do we value other people? And I thought about this even as I walked through town. Do I see junkies and hookers? Do I see, you know what I mean, robbers? Do I see foreigners and problems? Do I see northiders and culties? Or do I see sons and daughters of the living God? That were wonderfully made and created in his image. Awesome people that just need to be released into their destiny. And as I walk around crumbling, it's the same. Do I see juvenile delinquents and cheeky little brats? Do I see drunk alphalas and, and women who don't care? Do I see welfare spongers and lawyers and cheats, or even snobs in some cases, and homeless? Or do I see children that are the living God? And you know what I realized? How I see other people depends on how I'm seeing myself. And that can change on a daily basis depending on where I'm at with God. If I'm in a good place with God and I, and I understand the value that he places on me, then I tend to value other people much higher. But if I'm not in a good place with God and I don't understand or I'm not kind of seeing where my value is, then I will look at other people the same way. Does that make sense? What value are you? what value is the world putting on you? And even more important, what value are you putting on you? The world says a person's value is determined by how they look, how they dress, how much money they have, where they live, who their friends are, what they drive, what phone they have, what TV they have, where they go on holidays. It's like if you look like this and you have this, then you're worth taking up space on the planet. But if you don't, then what are you doing here? And there's loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people buying into it. If I don't have the car and the clothes and the holidays or whatever, then life's not worth living. That's rubbish. I don't believe we're meant to be living like that. I believe we're meant to be living like Jesus, to be thinking about the world like Jesus, to value the world and its inhabitants like Jesus did. The scriptures are full of stories of how Jesus valued people. And it's not the way the world around him was valuing them people. He often went against the status quo to value an individual. He reached out to the woman caught in adultery to save her from a mob that were going to stone her to death. And he valued it enough to set her on the right road to go forward. He reached out to as a tax collector, and went and had dinner with him when everyone else would have thought he was a scumbag. And I was thinking, that's like as if I was driving down the road, and I met someone, and we have a few notorious people around here, fairly famous for all the wrong reasons, but we met them going into Tesco's, and then we ended up going, let's all go to dinner together. Where everyone else would be going, what are you doing with them? There's loads of examples in the scriptures of Jesus doing this. He touched a dead child. He went to touch dead things, but he valued the family and valued the child enough to go against the status quo. He touched, actually, he brought several dead children back to life. He valued every single life, no matter what it looked like. He touched leopards and cleansed them. People that were like outcasts. Let me go back to the story. It's in John 8, 1-11, if you want to look at up when you go home, of the woman caught in adultery for a minute. Now, I don't know if you know that, but normally it takes two people to commit adultery. Normally. I don't know how she managed to do it all on her own. Okay. Where's the guy? The fella? I don't know if you ever thought about that, but it's like why wasn't he dragged out too? Why was she the only one that was dragged out? Injustice just knows now bound, sure it doesn't. Women didn't have a huge amount of value in that society. A donkey was probably just as valuable, if not more, in many people's eyes. So this woman was dragged in front of Jesus, quite possibly naked surely embarrassed and ashamed, distraught, fearful, about to be killed by a a bunch of spiteful men with rocks. I was thinking these guys that dragged her out obviously didn't see the man that way because they would have dragged him out too. So they must have seen her as something different, as some kind of a less than. Does Does that make sense? They saw her as an adulteress, a whore, A less than. She was less than them. Less than a human being. A thing that was less than a child of God. But Jesus didn't see her that way. Jesus saw his child. He saw beauty. He saw the seeds of greatness that had been sown into her life and her mother's womb. He saw a future that was yet to unfold. He saw a vision for that future. He saw hope. He saw talents and skills that needed to be released into his service. You know what he saw? He saw his plan A. She was part of it. He saw love and he saw value because he knew where to look to see it. That's a a 20-year-old note. Would anyone like it? Yeah? Okay. Ask something. It's crumpled up. It's a bit scrunched up. Would you still like it? Not as nice and neat. Mm. You just walked and it crunched it. Would you still like it? Yeah? You're shouting too much. Mary said yes, no forced. Here you go, Mary. You said a it force. It's a real one. Why would you want that after I walked on it on the floor? If I threw it down the toilet and fished it out, it hasn't lost its value. If I ripped it, which I was going to do, but I now sell the tape, stick it back together, it hasn't lost its value. If I we went through the washing machine, who's put that money through the washing machine? It doesn't work with checks, can I just tell you, but it works with cash, okay? Because its value is inherent in its creation, isn't it? It's not in what happens to it. The value is inherent in the creation of it. And Jesus saw so much more in that woman, who, by the way, doesn't even get a name. She's the woman caught in adultery. I don't even say it was Mary, just into whatever. She had been crumpled, spit on, walked on, misused, abused, beaten more than likely, humiliated and ashamed. And he saw value. He looked past what everyone else saw and he saw the inherent value of the master's hand and the creation standing before him. See, everyone else saw that woman like those silly little wreaths that were only worth three fifty, But he saw them like the one that came out with Kenneth Turner's because they had been touched by the master. There's a painting in um, the National Gallery called The Taken of Christ." It's by a guy called Caravaggio. I am no art critic, okay? And I'm not pretending to be. But I walked up in Weefield prison and and there's a guy serving a life sentence in Weefield who has a gift for painting. And someone gave him a photograph of the Caravaggio and he painted it in oil. And I swear to God, it's hanging in the chapel in in Weefield. If you had that and the original side by side, I don't know I could tell the difference. Unless you were an expert, I think you'd find it hard, okay? But there is a massive difference between the value of the one hanging in Weefield and the one hanging in the National Gallery. It's the same picture. What's the difference? One was painted by a master. One was an imitation. They say value is dependent on two different things. What someone is willing to pay for it and possibly who owned it before. I was thinking, okay, let me, let me try and explain that. I have a guitar, usually. It's a nice guitar. I bought it for me for Christmas several years ago and paid quite a bit of money for it. It wasn't a cheapie. And I think if I went to sell it today, it's probably worth, I don't know, three or 400 quid, 500 quid, something like that. I don't know exactly. I never saw the price tag. I just know it wasn't cheap. I got told that a few times, right? <laughs> so here's the point, though. If that guitar had to belong to John Lennon, how much would it be worth because it belonged to somebody famous, yeah? And then how much is someone willing to pay for that is what it means to them. Isn't that right? Like, have you ever bought something and you really wanted that in your tunnel? Oh, this is what I want, and you paid for it. And then someone else goes, you paid what? Are you mad? Why would you pay that for that for? But for you, it was like, no, oh, I'm happy out with that. I paid 200 quid for a pair of shoes. I think you're a nutso. You've got 20 and pennies for that, right? But you're happy with your shoes because the value is in what you see. It's like the housing market when it went crazy in the boom, or even now it's starting to go crazy again. People are buying price, paying prices for houses and people are going, yeah, what? But that's what they think it's worth to them. So there's something inherent in us about how we place a value on something. Does that make sense? So here's the thing. The rest of the world might be telling you that you're of little value. You know, it's even worse. You might be telling yourself that you're of little value. But God says something very different. God says you are of great value in history. Great value. He created you. He owned you before time began. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He had a plan for your life before you ever came to be. He painted the beautiful picture that is you. And then he paid with his own blood to set you free. To buy a future for you. To buy eternity for you. You are worth so much to God and to this world. Listen to this, they'll be up on the wall. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And them, sorry. Your value begins and ends with the fact that you were made by the hand of the creator in his image. He must have multiple images because we all look different. But there's something very common about all of us. We are created in the image of God. Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's thoughts towards you are amazing. I just think it's amazing that he even thinks about us. Never mind he has thoughts towards us. Don't put your hands over this. How many of you didn't even think about any of the rest of us all week? Really. But God's thinking about you all the time. All the time, and He has great plans for your life, and not plans to control you like a puppet on a string, and not plans like when other people have plans for their life and it's not the plans we want. These are plans that you know are going to prosper you and not to harm you, and are going to be good for you. Jeremiah 31. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love; therefore, with love and kindness I have drawn you. His love is relentless. It's immeasurable. It's infinite. You can't get away from me. 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. God actually considers you his very own child. His very own child. Now I know some of us probably didn't have families. We would have been happier if we were children in different families. But God has created a family for each and every one of us to be able to go. He is dad. We are his child. So what is your value? Ask yourself, who owns me? What was paid for me? The Bible says you've been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. You've been bought and paid for by Christ. Christ how much does that make you worth? A bit more than a guitar that was owned by John Lennon, maybe. If you ask yourself, who do I belong to? The Bible says you belong to God because God exchanged his son on the cross for you. The cross proves your value. See, Jesus didn't die for junk because God didn't make any junk. He made children in his, his image. You are incredibly valuable. Nobody has ever paid a greater price than God paid for you. You're accepted. You're valuable. In Matthew 10, Jesus said this, And not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Now, we've had this joke loads of times. It's easier for them to count some of our hairs than others. But if he bothers with that one, if he is to the extent that he knows that much detail, how valuable must you be? When you know what you're worth, things change. Jesus tells two stories about a woman in a house who lost a coin. She had 99 other euro there, but she lost one euro. She went under the fridge looking to get the euro. And she had a party because she got the euro. There's another story about the guy who found a pearl of great price hid in a field. So we went and sold everything he had so we could go and get this field. So we could get this pearl. The story of the the 99 sheep, one went missing, 100 sheep, one went missing. The shepherd leaves the 99 there and goes off to get the one. Why? Because God values the one. It doesn't matter how far we go, God still values you. It doesn't matter how far you run away from him, he still values you. And do you know what? He'd run after you. Yeah. And he's bigger legs than you anyway. He's going to catch you. You can't run fast enough or far enough to get away from him. David said, if I go down to the depths, you're there. If go to the heights, you're there. So he's talking about the depths of the sea. Let me tell you, you go into the depths of drinking, drugging, sexing, whatever it is, God's in it. No matter where you go on this planet, to do whatever you do, the Holy Spirit is there. There has to be some drawback to being omnipresent. You're everywhere, seeing everything. He values you. And you know when you know that, that should change things. That should change how we value ourselves. Our lives should change. Our future should change. Our present changes. And the power the past has over us should change. Yeah. And it does change if we let it. God, the maker of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, whatever words you want to use on Him, the creator of everything that we can see, everything, and also everything that we can't see. He says, You are valuable. You are special. You are unique. You are extraordinary. And you are still His plan A to reach this world. To reach your family, to reach your workers, co-workers, to reach the people in your college, to reach the people who are your neighbors, to reach the people in this area, you are still His plan A, and you are valuable. Every company I've ever done work with have said the most valuable resource is their people. Do you know where they got that from? God, His most valuable resource is His church. You know who His church is? You. Do you know something? If you believe even only half of what I said this morning, you have to realize how valuable you are and how your place in this world is so important. And the question is, what are you going to do with that? Because if you know how valuable you really are, then what will you change about your life? Or what will that change about your life? What will you do with this gift that we've got? This awesome, unique gift called life. You're a child of the Most High God, loved, accepted, wanted, cherished, bought and paid for with something that's far more valuable than silver or gold. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. And so was your family. And so were your neighbors. And so were your workmates. And so were the people of them. They just needed for us to let them know. They are just as valuable as we are. Amen. So, today, in case you didn't get the message, God thinks you are valuable. Just as you are. Not when you lose five stone, not when you win the lotto, not when you learn how to do the hokey-kokey or play the piano or whatever it may be. Exactly as you are you are valuable let's pray father thank you that you consider us to be of the utmost value lord that you thought we were so valuable that you would come as jesus and die on a cross so that we could have a way to be in your presence to be in your company to be part of your family forever and forever and forever forever Father, I want to ask you that right now in this moment that you would reach into our souls and water that seed of greatness that you put in there. Father, I want to pray that you would just touch those places in our lives where the world has told us we're useless or we're a waste or that we're wrong and that we're We're a mistake and we shouldn't be here and we're not good enough and we don't have this and we don't have that and we can't do this and we can't do that and we are something less than when you say we are more than conquerors. You say we are overcomers, just like that child in the video at the beginning, Lord. You call us to be overcomers because you place great value in us and you place your spirit available to us to give us the power to be there. Lord, your word promises us a fresh start every morning. Your mercies are new every day. So whatever crap went on yesterday, Lord, I pray that today we walk in the knowledge and the assurance of the value that we hold in the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray every person here, every person sitting in this room, would right now sense your hand on their life. Would right now experience deep in their hearts an assurance of how valuable they are to you. And that if you won't even let a sparrow fall to the ground without your permission, without your knowledge, that there is nothing that can happen to anyone in this room without the grace of God being on it and in it and the power of God working in their life. So, Father, I pray your blessing over your people. I pray this week they would know your fellowship, your grace, your mercy, and the value they are to you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a day, Jesus.